instead of asking like what's wrong with you mm-hmm. why would you do that if you if you this little shift if you just say what happened to you mm-hmm. not not what is wrong with you what happened to you mm-hmm. to make it and when you when you do that it shifts from them feeling attacked to like Actually, if you really want to know it, and they'll tell you some stuff, be prepared for what yeah. they tell you when you ask that question, because I've seen many of bombs drop. Hi, everyone. I want to welcome you today to the Single Mom Cast, brought to you by Arise Single Moms. And I have with me today Mel Hyatt. Mel, I'm so glad we get to do this together. Me too, Pam. I know. And you guys, our topic today is one everybody, every mom is interested in and wants to know, and it is on bullying. I mean, all you have to do is look at the newspapers. It's invading the newspapers. It's marching across the news every night. It's highlighted in books and topics and magazines, and it is a topic our country is desperately needing information and help on. And, you know, Mel, our kids today, they carry a gateway to the world in their pockets when they leave, the, leave their high school. It's their yeah. phone in their yeah. pocket. So we have lots to talk about today. So, But the great news is we have two specialists in the studio with us today, and I really do mean renowned specialist. And one is Jordan Miller. Jordan, welcome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I know. Well, Jordan is the CEO of Gen Y. He has, and he would not want me to tell you this, but I can tell you that he has... Um, changed the lives of over 120,000 students personally, personally, and they, he reaches over 20,000 students every year. He travels with this topic we're going to talk about. So, Jordan, welcome, and I'm going to let you say hi to me a minute and tell me a little bit about yourself, and then I want you to introduce Marcus. Yeah, okay? yeah. Pam, Mel, thank you so much for letting us come on. Um, it's an honor. So, yeah, we. Uh, I am Jordan Miller. I'm a hip-hop artist, spoken word artist, uh, motivational speaker, uh, DJ, all the things, and um, I'm also uh, CEO of Generation Y, WHY. We go all over the nation going into schools speaking about anti-bullying, suicide prevention, and mental health, and, um, and then and also, I have right next to me one of my good friends and newest member of Generation Y. He's a w- world-renowned speaker. He's got a beautiful, deep voice, and uh, he's a best-selling author. He's uh, an awesome dad, a friend, all the things. We just got done doing National Guard last week camp for the kids, and yeah, and we have M Black Speaks Marcus Black, everybody. Marcus right here. Black, wow. <laughs> yo, You're amazing, yo. Marcus. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen to his voice. He does have <laughs> oh, yeah. a radio voice. Let's just oh, right. have Marcus <laughs> read us a book. <laughs> <Right>. yes. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yes. I just call him when I feel anxious just to oh. hear his voice. Oh, yeah. my goodness. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and thank you guys for having us, honestly. I think what you yeah. guys do is pivotal and powerful. I know Jordan told you. I am a best-selling author. Mm. I'm an international award-winning motivational speaker. But most importantly, I'm a servant. And so I look for opportunities to serve. I've been serving the teenage population for the last six years in a full-time capacity as an urban missionary, helping reach kids in the inner city that Mm. are at risk and dealing with many of these similar things. So I'm excited to be on the team, rocking with Gen Y, to help make an incredible impact and difference 
in these kids' lives. And we're excited to be talking to you today, moms, um, because we know this topic is close, near, and dear to your heart. Yes. yes. And you know what? As far as your book, somewhere, Mel, we need to highlight what that book is so our folks don't know how to get it. Yeah, we can put all that in the show notes. Marcus, can you just get a little bit more passionate, though? Our our audience (laughs) really prefers some passion. Be careful what you wish for. (laughs) Yeah, I know. They're driving down the road going, man, I need to listen to this. (laughs) Right, right. We're super excited, moms. So let's just start. Um, Jordan, uh, other than what you just said about like uh, what you want your moms to know about you, would tell me a little bit about your family life, your wife or whatever. Yeah, my wife. Oh, she, well, aside from her being beautiful. Um, yeah, we uh, we met on online, actually. And so, um, yeah, I love love her. Um, we got a son, uh, all the things. And um, you talk about my life personally. Yes. And mm-hmm. so grew up, um, you know, an only child, really loving and fully not understanding um, what it is to, you know, be out here in these streets just loving people, you know? And so um, there was a lot of stuff that was going on, even, you know, growing up and everything, and get, that led me to get to this point in my life to be able to be like, you know, I actually just want to use my gifts that God's given me. I just want to be able to use um, and highlight all of my friends' gifts because we all have servants' heart, like Marcus was saying, and all we want to do is show love and help these kids and students feel comfortable enough to be themselves, but then also be able to vocalize their feelings, emotions, and all that kind of stuff. And so um, growing up, my mom, uh, my mom, shout out to all you moms out there. That's who we're talking to right now. Um, But I would legit not be anywhere without uh, my mom. And so I love her to death. We're both the same height. And yeah, so it's great. (laughs) That's important, Um, you know. (laughs) Exactly, yes. I love that, Mark. Um, I love that, Jordan. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what, Marcus, real quick, um, I especially like you because your wife has a very special special name and what is it? Yeah, so that's actually my mother and her name is Pam. Mm. I love that people. <laughs> so tell me about your family real quick, Marcus. Yeah, it's funny you talk about a mother. I always I was actually on the cover of a magazine and the quote they took from my mouth is that everything she is made me everything I am. Mm-hmm. And my mother, she was I didn't grow up with a single mom, but sometimes it felt like it. Okay. And uh, she did a lot. She carried a lot. And she fought for me because my father struggled with ills, with alcoholism and all these different things, addictions. And so she was a lifeline for me. And then I I have a beautiful wife, Rachel, two little baby boys, Marcus II and Grayson. And yeah, that's my family, man. We love each other and we love to serve other people and be making an impact. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay, I love that. (laughs) Don't you, Mel? Yeah, I'm super excited. Yeah. Okay, let's, this is a sharp curve, but. Let's talk about bullies. Mm. Um, I think what I I love about this is we all have a different perspective. Um, I currently live with four teenagers. I think they sit behind you in church, Jordan. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. And Pam, you said it. It Something I tell my my kids is that I grew up with bullies, but they didn't come home with me. They come home with them and their phone, you know, Mm. and they come home with them on social media and all of these things. Um, So I have a perspective of living with teenagers who have experienced bullying. Um, I worked for students with students for 20 years and saw it, but you guys are seeing it in the actual schools when I'm assuming that it is amplified because students walk into the school with all of their armor on. Mm. And what I know about teenagers is sometimes that armor is bullying, right, of survival. So what what is a, when you're in the schools with these hood rats and these awesome (laughs) 
these little heavenly teenagers, what are you seeing that a bully looks like and what have you witnessed inside the schools when it comes to bullying? Yeah, so um, I would say over the past six years, like you were saying, even since I was, um, you know, in high school and stuff, like we did, we didn't have too much of it following us back home, um, which is great. Um, but yeah, nowadays, not only is it following them on social media and they can't really turn it off, even though you can turn off your phone, um, you see both sides of it, of just the whole mental health side of um, the bully as well as um, the victim. And so um, I like to play the devil's advocate just, you know, for fun's sake. And I give people the benefit of the doubt. And so whenever um, there, there was this one assembly that we did and uh, we were talking about forgiveness and um, these this one student came up to me and said, um, she's like, I just want to say thank you so much for um, what you did on stage this group of girls, um, they actually came up to us after the assembly and just apologized mm -hmm. and explained why they were bullying me at the time. And it opened up her perspective on these other girls that were dealing with other issues that she never knew about. And so, um, and even that whole forgiveness thing for her was so pivotal because she was actually contemplating, you know, not really wanting to be here. You know what I'm saying? And whenever it gets to that point, obviously it's so severe and dear to our hearts. So we're able to navigate that. But um, that's that's the whole perspective of things. Uh, whenever you know, I heard it once, like just because you know you had a bad experience doesn't make it a bad person. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't know what that person was going through, mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. All the, all of that to say, it's not really able to justify why we have bad moments or bad, you know, hard, hardships or anything like that. Um, but we're able to help these students open their mind to like, you know, this may not be a bad person. So you, you know, you don't have to take these things personally. That's what these students are dealing with too. There's so many things that are taken personal and it changes their identity because they're trying to find that as well. You know, with this whole thing of purpose that we're talking about, you know, we don't want these students getting stifled from their purpose just because of what other people are saying. And so, um, so it's really just constantly building people up no matter what, um, whenever we're talking about bullying. And it boils down to disrespect, and nobody likes to be disrespected, right? Right. And so, um, so we're, com you know, we're combating both topics, bullying and disrespect. And we want to break it down practically to where these students are able to actually understand it. And they definitely know nobody wants to be disrespected, you know, and they think, you know, bullying is a corny word. So we're able to break it down to, you know, the words that they actually know and the words that they um, can actually feel in their gut whenever it's like, man, I don't want to be disrespected, sure. you know? And sure. so, um, but it is really like helping these students um, put boundaries up, you know, and understand for one, I'm not going to tolerate certain things as well as I'm not going to let things inside and change who I am um, and change my identity and stuff. And so um, those are some things that we've uh, been able to you know, navigate through this whole thing for the past six years. Um, and it's really changed the perspective. That's what um, we've been able to help these students do. And um, it's just, it's super relieving to be able to see a student come to you afterward and be like, you know what, I get it. That makes sense. Wow, that's so great. You know, you it's know, a transformation. That's amazing. I know so. it's so prevalent, but according to a national statistic I read on the Center of Education in mm -hmm. 2019, they said one in five students 
have been bullied. I mean, what what do you see when you go in the schools as far as how prevalent this is, you guys? It's more than that. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, wow. That is the of students 2019, who so. are willing to share. Share. Right. Mm-hmm. Or to do. even think it's bullying. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, because I will hear from, you know, when I, I have like a, I have, the Lord gave me like a sensitive child and then like not sensitive. It's super fun. And one mm-hmm. of, he'll always go, oh, they're just, they're just joking. And I'm like, hey, it's not a joke if we're not all laughing. Mm. You know, so they might think, well, it's not bullying because they're not shoving me in a locker or beating me up in the bathroom. Um, And so I love that you guys are educating them even on that Mm. to own the disrespect thing. I love that we're, I'm going to, I'm going to go home and start using that a little more. (laughs) So it makes me want to ask Marcus, what's the difference between bullying and teasing Mm. or joking? I think Mel just said it. Like if, if we're all laughing together, that's different than, you know, you're denigrating somebody else. And you can tell. They know. And mm-hmm. I had a situation in my school this year where this kid, and here's the thing you have to understand. Kids don't, there's so much they don't control. Hmm. They don't control what they wear. They don't have jobs, most of them especially. They don't control what they eat, what they, the shoes, the clothes, the hair. Even those things cost money, which they don't have. So when they come into a school system, all these kids who, like to Jordan's point, are trying to figure out who they are. They're struggling with who they are and their identity. Many of them are being abused at home by parents, mm-hmm. neglected or abused. And those are two different forms of abuse. So they come and they perpetuate this abuse and these cycles in the school to other kids, and they're hurting them. So we had a situation where these guys come in, and, there's, and they're friends. These are friends. I see them every day in the hallways together. But this particular day, he had a certain hairstyle. And, you know, you could tell, like, it might have been a rough week at home. And I'm an adult, so I can see that. The kids, though, mm-hmm. they just start lighting him up. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about him. And they're saying these things, hurtful things, hateful things about his mm-hmm. hair. And at first, he's like, oh, it's fun. You know, it's like, okay, ha, 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 you got me. But then they continue. Mm-hmm. And then they just start, like, rolling on the floor and just drawing more attention and drawing a bigger crowd. And he looks like he wants to cry. At that point, it's no longer fun and games. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, if he had a weapon, he would have done harm to them. Hmm. And they kept going. And I saw it, and I had a team of adults with me, and they saw it. And one of the adults started crying. And she said, what are you going to do? And I I let it ride. I let them finish. And then normally I feed the kids. Before feeding them, though, when they got done, they all sat down, and they were ready to come eat. And I said, all right, we're not eating anything until we have a talk. And I went directly to the main protagonist. (laughs) There's three of them. And I said, so you think that's funny? I said, you think it's funny to talk Mm -hmm. about people? And one person, you know, he's always one clown in the group. Yeah, well, actually, actually, I do. I'm like, no, you don't. I said, you want attention. So I just started calling them out directly. Mm -hmm. So I said, it's all fun and games until you come in here tomorrow and somebody who was here yesterday is no longer here. Then they got quiet. Mm -hmm. I said, the sad reality is every one of you knows somebody who used to be here who's no longer here. Heads drop. And then I just started, like, literally deep diving. Because I'm like, how many of you would say you've had to go through some hardship in life? You lost a loved one, you went without food, just different things, and everybody raised their hand. Oh, okay, so you're telling me that life is hard, right? Everybody, yeah, life is hard. So if life is already hard and life is hard for you and you're crying yourself to sleep at night for some things that people don't even know you went through, why would you intentionally make it harder for somebody else? Silent. You hear a pin drop. And so the, the main clown gets up. When I finish my rent, 
and he says, I have to be the first. And he went to his this young man in front of everybody and apologized and said that was wrong. Hmm. And it's just holding them accountable. Yeah. And but we but at that point where it it you can everybody knows when it goes too far. And they know, but sometimes they're so caught up in the attention that they're getting that they don't get at home. They're caught up that they can't stop because it's like I know this is wrong and this doesn't even feel good for me, but I'm getting all this attention. So I'm going to keep perpetuating this sure. thing because I don't want to let them down and lose this attention that I now have that I don't get. Mm-hmm. Moms, I know what you're thinking. Man, I wish you'd come to our school. <laughs> I wish you'd come walk the halls of my school and stand by my child and, you know, watch over him. You know, I also saw that 20 percent of the school of the school kids that are bullied report it. Why don't they report it? Because uh, I'm going to say something facetiously. It's my favorite word. Uh, they say snitches get stitches, right? I say that. Mm. You can laugh at that. But in, the reality is the moment you go and report something like this, you put a target on your back the rest of the school year. Mm. When teachers aren't looking, when administrators aren't looking, they're going to look for every opportunity to tear you down, to pick you apart. You pretty much just said, hey, everybody, come and get me. And so kids know that and they feel that pressure. So I would rather endure this pain for a moment, go home and have a hole in my heart and deal su- suffering with my mental health mm. than to speak up because I don't, that just draws even more unwanted attention because I got someone in trouble. And then here comes this whole horde yeah. and all of their friends yes. who are coming after me now. And that's how you get like most of, you know, these kids and even, you know, adults, we see it, you know, people are suffering in silence. And whenever you suffer in silence, that's whenever, you know, the um, the things that you we haven't dealt with or healed from, you know, starts to outpour into our regular life. And so, and obviously, you know, that saying, hurt people, hurt people. And so if that's the case, then we need to get to, you know, the people who are, you know, a little bit more healed, we can start helping people. And then those people start helping people. So it goes from hurting people, hurt people, to helping people help people. Mm-hmm. And then, then we all become free. And then once we're able to, you know, figure out what our purpose really is, we can, you know, dial it back to, you know, what our purpose is. And our purpose is to be free, be whole, be, you know, welcoming people, be servants. And so it's all in turn. We're trying to get these students to that point of I want to be I want to be able to help people. But right now they're hurting. And so that's why we even started Generation Y. Generation Y went from 32nd or Oklahoma went from 32nd to the third leading state in the nation um, in 2017 uh, for suicide um, within the teens. And so that's the whole reason we even jump started this whole thing. And so, um, which that can be a whole nother topic, you know? And so, but these students really are, you know, you see them all the time, they're hurting. And then even to go um, on what Marcus is saying, he deals a lot with, um, you know, inner city schools, like he was saying. And then, you know, as us, we go all over. So we see all different types of cultures of schools and, you know, you see, you see the things that the schools and the students are actually hurting from and everything stems back to their home. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And so, um, and that for all you single moms, you know what I'm saying? That are listening. It's like, it's nothing, you know, directly affected, you know, from what you may be portraying, but like these students are hurting from, maybe they feel your hurt. You know what I'm saying? Maybe they want to, you know, take on your hurt. I don't know how to even, you know, help with that either too. Cause it's like these students actually care for you more than you may even know, but they may not even portray it, you know? And so, but they feel it. 
-hmm. And so even whenever we feel certain feelings or emotions, like we carry that and sometimes it's heavy. And I knew that from my mom, like I wanted to take on all her hurt, um, all of the times that I, I could feel her upset and everything like that. But I wouldn't let her know about that. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, so yeah, that's, that's some things that we see all the time. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for saying that moms. You are thinking now as a single mom, I feel so helpless in knowing, quote, it comes from the home or it comes from the way I feel. And you have your own struggles you're dealing with. And so now you feel, what can I do to help my child? That is so normal with the single mom Mm. population. But I want you to know you are not alone. We have seen so many kids that have that moms have just transformed maybe a few things in their own hearts that has changed everything. So don't be discouraged. I want you to listen to the rest of the podcast because there is hope coming your way. Well, and what we know about statistics tell us that a child only needs one safe adult to grow up and be competent and confident and all of the other C words. And so one safe, not one perfect adult, Mm. right? Moms, like not one stay at home mom or one safe adult. And you know your child better than anyone else. So you know what safe looks like for them. Um, And Pam, you brought up that students maybe aren't uh, telling anyone at school that they're Mm -hmm. being bullied. And that often comes trickles into the home too. Maybe they don't want their mom to be upset. Mm -hmm. Or I think my son probably wouldn't tell me because he would be like, I don't want you to not let me be friends with these cool people. You know, Mm. there's all of these reasons. So if they're, if they're not telling the school and for whatever reason, whether it's the parent's fault or not, if they're not telling their mom that they're being bullied, are there signs that we can be looking for as a mom to maybe ask better questions and figure out what's going on? Mm. So yes, there are signs. (laughs) Um, But before we go there, I, I feel like I would be, totally missing the mark if I didn't say this. So to the mom that's listening and you're hearing all of this and you're thinking about your own pain and you're thinking about your own trauma and you wonder how that may be affecting your child. Listen to me. <laughs> My house was like World War Three. often. It was chaotic. It was difficult. It was tough to grow up in. And there were times where I questioned myself, my own purpose, and whether or not I should be here. Like, what's the point? Mm -hmm. And the thing that not only saved my life, but propelled me into this international figure that I am today was a caring mom who Mm -hmm. just said, there's greater in you. A mom who said, I love you every day. A mom who hugged me. A mom who didn't have a clue the things that were going on in my mind and my heart, nor did she need to. So if you're sitting here, do not beat yourself up. Do not tear yourself down. All this child needs is you saying, I love you every single day. Never stop reinforcing what you see into them, opening their minds to the future. Because uh, you are superhuman Mm -hmm. and you have an ability to transform a life. And so I just wanted to speak that life into you. Thank you. And as it pertains to the signs, you'll see it. Uh, One of the biggest ones is hygiene. So when they lose interest in different things, and it's teenagers we're talking about, right? So they don't always have the greatest hygiene to begin with. But if you see a noticeable change where things that they once cared about, they stop caring about. When you see grades starting to slip abruptly, strongly, those are typically signs. When attitude 
Because it's like you can blame things on hormones, but when their attitude is a stark change and they start getting real snappy and kind of nasty, it's like that's typically a sign something deeper is going on. They're not just going through normal stages of development. They are pleading for help without knowing how to ask for help. That's good. You know, I wrote down some other signs. Are these signs as well? Let me just read some of them. Unexplainable injuries, loss or destroyed clothing, books, electronics or jewelry, frequent headaches or stomach aches, uh, changing in eating habits like suddenly skipping meals or binge eating, sudden loss of friends, feeling of helplessness or self-destructive habits such as running away from home, harming themselves, talking about suicide, are these in your list of signs? All the above. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Even isolation, too. Isolation. They, they tend to, like, cut a lot of people out, um, even their parents. And um, so, yeah, like, isolation is a huge thing, especially I've seen We've seen too many students, like, they would come up to us and, you know, they would they would talk about their friend group um, and all that kind of thing. And most of their friend group would even be like, you know, it's been a while since we've seen you around or whatever or haven't talked to so-and-so in a while and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, yeah, so isolation is a huge thing. So I think um, that's that's the biggest thing that because it goes back to the things that they can control where they can if they can't control to go nowhere, then they they stay in their room. They isolate themselves. They, you know, maybe saying that they're reading a book or they're, you know, watching TV or whatever like that. But um, isolating is a huge thing, too. Well, moms, now that we have your complete attention due to the fact that Marcus and Jordan both have said you are so valuable and you are so, so important and that you matter. I want to ask you guys this question, then how can a mom help or hurt bullying situations? Hmm. Either one. Things to say or things not to say, Mammy. I don't know. Well, the first thing is the most important thing, and so my background is in psychology and family systems. So affirmation it is affirming the first thing we like to do or not like to do we tend to do have a tendency to do when we don't understand something is to start digging but sometimes when things are too close to you so you're talking about your baby who you birthed and Mm. brought into this world it's very easy for you to get frustrated because you don't want them to hurt so you're like digging and you get aggressive and that can cause them to shut down so easily. And when they do tell you things, you know, sometimes you have your own frustration or you have your own life that's happening. I've seen this happen. Like I, I walked with this through a student who was going through some stuff and felt like his mom hated him. And I'm like, I don't think she hates you. He's like, well, this is what she said. And she didn't say anything to communicate she hated him. She just didn't hear him. She didn't validate his feelings. Even if you disagree with their feelings, sometimes... I don't agree with what you feel, but what you feel is what you feel, and what you feel is real. That validation makes them drop their layers and their walls, and then they'll lean in and they'll tell you more. And then you can help give them some wisdom and some perspective. But this kid said his mom hated him, so I wound up going, and he had gotten kicked out the house and everything. He was living somewhere else. But I, I took him home. We sat down, he and his parent, and his parent, she broke down, and she had lost another child like two years prior. And she said, I don't know why I'm here. I don't even want to be here. Hmm. So she's dealing with her own. So she was like, I don't even have to give to him. So sometimes we're in that place. But that opened his eyes. He's like, wow, she doesn't hate me. She's a human. And she's struggling. 
And then they they hugged for the first time in like years. It was a big tear fest. It was a beautiful thing. But they were able to learn to communicate better so that, listen, this is what you feel and this is where you are. So if they bring this to you, you can hurt by just saying, oh, it's no big deal or by being too busy with your own things. Like you can really hurt them in their mental psyche. You can help them. But even if you don't know all the answers, they're not asking for you to have all the answers. They're asking for you to care. Just care. That's what they're asking for. Mm -hmm. And even to speak on your situation, Mel, like you've got, you just said that you have two different types of kids in your household. Yeah. And it's like, you know, uh, for one parent or for one anybody, to be honest, like, you know, being able to navigate, you have a team of different human beings in your house, you know, and you're trying to navigate these two different types of personalities, two different types of, you know, thoughts, um, all that kind of thing. And so being able to like, you know, sit down and think about it, like, you know, this is a, this is a team effort. And instead of maybe like, you know, as a, as a, as a family unit, you're able to actually understand, okay, this one's moving this way, this one's moving that, that way. But how can we, with their two different thinking and thought process how can we get them to the unified spot of understanding and so it's like for one you got to understand where you're at which you do a great job of i think you, you know seeing you from the outside and so um and because like your your kids like they are amazing at talking about you know their day or and they're descriptive and all that kind of stuff thank you for saying um, that to our our audience to know that <laughs> my kids aren't yeah completely crazy out in public <laughs> no they're, they're amazing kids and like you know they talk about and they do they talk about it sure. in different ways and you see that and it's like um but if they weren't able to see an example of somebody that is descriptive with the things that they do then they would not be able to describe and be vocal with their own life right and so it's like but leading by example that's why i think that it's amazing to just be a communicator in general no matter what it is and communication is not just talking communication is living it out and actually just doing it so they can be able to see it they can actually see you listening to them and just being present in the moment and so it's like that's why i think like single moms moms in general are the most super human people because y'all got a gift for listening and um if you know what i'm saying you want to be able to just hear your your kid out um that that's honestly the biggest type of love language that i think a mom could give is is just listening to your kid and that's what my mom did and like like i said earlier i would not be where i am without my mom even though we there was a lot of times we didn't have anything i felt like we were rich like we didn't i didn't need anything else you know what i'm saying because i had a mom that was present that gave um all of her so i felt like i had all i am you know and so um so yeah i think uh that's the biggest thing. Oh, I was going to say, too, uh, we just got back from National Guard camp, and these students, we actually did an open panel, a Q&A, and um, instead of flipping it, them asking us questions, they did that, but then also these students actually started getting up and grabbing the mic, and they would talk, and they were talking about their emotions, their feelings, and everything that they've been going through, and as, you know, I mean, as for people who probably do know or don't know, but like, you know, these National Guard kids, they're constantly on the move. They don't know where they're going to be at in six months or whatever. But like these students, they this was the first time they got to open up. And for them to just have an open space, a comfortable space and environment for them to just talk about their feelings and the things that they're going through. This one girl got up. Her name is Dakota, super dope leader. And she's like, what, 15, 16? Mm-hmm. And she just opened up, was like talking to these kids. Like she's a motivational speaker. She's bossing up. Anyway. <laughs> 
anyways, but she was like, she was like, you, you kids need to understand that your emotions are valid. And if you have thoughts that are going on in your head or whatever, and if somebody's bullying you, you need to know that you have a purpose and that if you have intrusive thoughts and all this stuff, I was like, she you're did. using big words. And she like, spoke to her parent. That's the biggest she thing. She said, yeah. it doesn't matter why I feel what I feel. It's what I feel. Mm-hmm. And that's what she wanted her parent to understand. Like, yep. I feel it. I can't help that I feel it. So don't tell me, don't grill me about why I feel it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't make sense. But so that's what goes back to if you validate the feeling, even if you don't understand it, mm-hmm. they feel safe enough to let their guard down. And then you can guide them where you want to take them. Which is crazy because, like, I, I heard it um, not too long ago about if you change the verbiage, uh, whenever you're talking to your kid. And I started doing this recently with my son, and he's five, he's the same height as I am. But um, we were we were talking, uh, I heard this thing, he was like, if you stop asking your kid why and ask them what made you feel that way, yeah. then they can actually explain it better because they need they need tangible things. So they can't explain why because they don't know why. You know what I'm saying? Even for us, like we're trying to figure out what our why is and all that kind of stuff. And but your why is always a journey and it's never understood. I like that. But if I can say, well, what made you start Generation Y? I can tell you exactly the day, the time and what experience happened. If you ask your kid the same thing, what made you feel this way? It's like, well, maybe in first period, my friend did this and it just ruined my whole day. Mm -hmm. That's a whole nother conversation that now opens up that you're able to, you know, unpack and you know talk to your kid about you know what i'm saying and so instead of constantly asking because I, I realized my son even at the age of five he's so he's so dope um but i kept asking him why why are you acting like this why are you you know certain like things because i was just getting frustrated and i wanted to know why you know and he, he doesn't was, know exactly, exactly. <laughs> he's just crazy but he's five <laughs> he, he needs a full-time job yeah um no i'm playing but um i kept asking why and then after that thought i, I started changing to the what Mm-hmm. And then instead of the why, he was able to explain the what. Mm-hmm. So but, that's a trauma-informed yeah. approach, which is what we use with all our students. And so even when you ask them questions, instead of asking, like, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Why would you do that? If you, if you, this little shift, if you just say, what happened to you? Mm-hmm. Not, not what is wrong with you. What happened to you to make it? And when you, when you do that, it shifts from them feeling attacked to, like, Actually, if you really want to know, and then they'll tell you some stuff, be prepared for what yeah. they tell you when you ask that question because I've seen many of bombs drop. And so that there's a whole study. Have you guys heard of ACES test? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we all mm-hmm. we give the kids the ACES test, adverse child experiences, if you guys are listening. You can take it. You can Google it. It's 10 questions. And uh, then there's a whole curriculum on the back end that teaches you how to deal with children's trauma. And your kids have trauma that Oklahoma, you don't even know they Oklahoma have. Oklahoma has one of the highest ACES scores in america i'm an eight i'm an eight and my wife Mm. is a nine out of ten that's really bad (laughs) well and guys this is treasure hunting we i always talk about this to our moms that we need to be treasure hunters right even with the questions Mm. we talk about don't when they come home from school don't say how was your day like because what are they going to say good (laughs) <laughs> right. Or like just do the okay. like shruggy thing, yeah. you know, but to like treasure hunt and to know your audience, to know, I know how to get this one to start talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and to do that, I had to study him and be a treasure hunter. And that's just annoying because I just want him to tell me what I need to know to feel yeah. better about myself, Pam. 
Mm-hmm. I need to know that I'm doing yeah. a good job. Yeah. But I, I want you both to imagine somebody that you know when I ask you this question, not just a, this isn't a resource question. This I, I'm imagining there's a mom I'm thinking of right now that is listening to this. She just dropped her kids off. She's heading to school or heading to work. And she knows she just found out that her child is being bullied. And what would you say Like, what would you really say to her just in this moment? She just calls you, you have 30 seconds, and she's in this. And she doesn't, as a single mom, she doesn't turn to the person next to her and say, what are we going to do, you know? What would you say to her? Uh, The first thing i say is it's not your fault. Because parents immediately go to, I'm not protecting my child. What have I done? Like, I've dealt with this with a friend recently. It's not your fault. And also... There is, you're not helpless in the situation. So there are avenues that you can take. So it is now your opportunity to show them that you got their back and how you want to advocate for them. So you can go into the appropriate channels and talk to the school because they're not going to do that. But you can put pressure on them because that's their job. And honestly, now being in the schools, whole other conversation, many of the administrators and teachers are bullied by the kids also now. And so they feel helpless. And I mean, you came to a school recently and you're like, what is happening here? Mm. Because the kids were running the staff and it was like, well, they feel helpless too. And they feel bullied. So know that you can apply pressure and, and run that up as high up the chain as you need to. But number one, I think your child is going to be okay because you are now going to step in. I would say just encourage them. And I'm working on it. My kids are young. They are six and eight, and we're sitting down every day. And I'm talking to them about their purpose, and I'm talking to them about their value and how it's not tied to any human, not me, not what I want to know, nobody. Their value is their value. It's intrinsic. They were born with it. So when those things, because they haven't experienced that yet to a big scale, a little bit, um, but once that really starts kicking in heavy, they're going to know not to attach their worth to it because we can't control what other people do. There's always going to be hurt people in the world who are always going to hurt people. But I'm telling you, my friend, like, number one, it's not your fault. You didn't do anything. It's not because you're not present enough. Like, kids are just kids, and kids are weird. They get hurt, and then they try to hurt other kids. And then I would tell you to go in and don't be afraid to challenge the system. And if they don't seem to be moving the way you think they should move, don't just throw in the towel and give up. Like, continue to go in and advocate and drive that as far up the chain to the district, whatever you need to do, because that's not okay. And maybe there's some changes that need to be made in-house to make sure that all of our kids are safe in the environments that we are entrusting them to be in. Is it true Marcus and Jordan, that all 50 states in the United States have anti-bullying laws? Or do you know? Mm. I honestly don't know that question uh, or the answer to I that question. I just have to wonder what kind yeah. of laws are in place in our country for that. I think some uh, most school systems have like a requirement for there needs to be, um, you know, certain hours of programming that needs to come into. So it's like a checklist type thing um, of like, you know, how many programs or curriculum is implemented into the schools uh, for these students. And so um, depending on what that is or how much that is, um, hopefully every, you know, system and school is applying to that. Um, and so, yeah, I, but I don't know for sure. Okay. On I think school. the laws exist. The question is how do people adhere to them? Mm-hmm. And I, and I, don't, right, yeah, right. I don't know that sure. it's heavily enforced sure. until right. there's some crisis 
and something bad happens, and then everybody will go back. Well, we have this policy, you know, yeah. then. And that's the thing that I was going to speak on, which is a double thing for what Mel was asking and this. But um, to speak on to the mom that's just finding out about that your stunt, your, you know, your, your uh, child is being bullied. Um, I was getting emotional about it just a second ago, just because of the fact that um, recently I know a mom, um, uh, their son, you know, was dealing with uh, some people that were bullying him. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a heavy topic because obviously um, he was voicing his opinion and everything like that. Um, and, you know, it was it was honestly at that situation that was it was too late. And so, um, but I would say I want to, I wish that I could hug every, every mom or every, every child at the same time, because it's like, y'all, y'all are for real in it together, regardless of, you know, what's going on or y'all's resources or anything like that. And then, um, as long as y'all realize that y'all have each other and we, we, you come at each other as a family union and it's not so much, you know, defensiveness or like, you know, I'm upset because of my own stuff. So I'm going to take it out on you, vice versa or whatever. But it's like, y'all are for real in it together and y'all are amazing when, and, and just like this situation, I keep using you as a reference cause I, I love you and you're dope, but like you can see their relationship and you can see that it's like they respect each other. Like their her kids love Mel and vice versa. Even you know y- y- y'all make fun of each other low key at, at church, and I love it. Mm-hmm. And it's like I want that same type of relationship because it's like it's safe. You know what I'm saying? And y'all like are what most you know relationships should or all relationships should be like. It's like if it's safe enough for me to like you know crack jokes at you or whatever, and you understand that it, we're not going past the disrespect line. It's like it's that's all love, you know. And so, um, but being able to like let your kid um, have that you know example, but then also you're, you're portraying it to the world, and other people are like, man, I love that relationship. Like y'all are together and y'all are way better together, single mom or moms and anybody that's listening right now. Um, but like, just know that y'all y'all's family unit it it brings purpose if y'all are able to breed that purpose. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so we believe in y'all. That's y'all great. y'all got an amazing Thank job. Thank you. I have a one last question here that I've been thinking about. I have a mom listening. I know that is that is grieving in her heart. A single mom alone in her home, doing the best to raise her kid. And she knows that her child is the bully. Mm. And that's she doesn't know what to do. And and um, what encouragement do you have to her, for her? Or what would you just say to this mom? We're that, just going to send that child to Marcus's house. Yes, <laughs> we're going to do that, send Marcus um, to that home. But what? That's a good one, Mel. What would you tell this little mama that truly is feels helpless? Oh, listen, we have rerun into that in, in my house. And uh, with my oldest son, because he kept having these issues uh, when he was younger. And we didn't understand why, because we don't do that at home. We don't have these behaviors at home. And teacher kept calling. We're like, ah, that doesn't sound right. You know, and teacher kept calling. He's doing this, and he's pestering kids. And one day he wound up hitting a kid. And so, you know, that's obviously disheartening, you know, especially for me, because I'm like, have a goal of being the biggest hope dealer in the world. So I'm traveling around the world dealing hope to people and then my kids at school being a bully. Mm-hmm. So I sat him down and, and we started talking 
And, you know, he's lying. He's telling me these things and all these other stuff. And, you know, I know you want to empathize with your kid because it's like, oh, I'm sorry. This is, but I'm just like, ah, something doesn't sound right. So I just keep digging, but not in a, not in a way where I'm just like accusing him. I'm just asking questions for understanding in a very calm tone, never escalating my voice. And finally he just dropped his head and he said, told me what he did. And I was like, why would you do that? You know, I'm asking him what would make him do this. And and he he wound up being honest and said he thought it was fun to pester somebody else. And I'm, so then I just asked the question, like, so what if I did this to you? What if I started to pester you? What if I started, would you like that? What if I did this? What if I took this away from you? And he was like, no, I wouldn't like that. I was like, a matter of fact. And so I took his things away. And then he wanted to cry. And I'm like, no, like, why are you crying? Like, you made this choice, like, in life. And then it's a, everything is a teachable moment, right? Even when your kid is the one being bullied, it's also teachable because then you're teaching them how to root themselves into self-love, into self-worth, to not allow external factors to pull them away from what the truth is about who they are. You're affirming them. But in this situation, it is accountability. It's a, they need accountability. And so whatever, sometimes we feel bad, especially when you're in a situation, you're by yourself, you're doing the best you can, you're struggling, and you're fighting for them. You're fighting for their future, and you're fighting for their life. They don't even realize how much you're doing for them, mm. but you also still feel a little bit of grief, if we're honest, because you're like, well, what role did I play in them even being in this situation? So because of that, you will accommodate some little things here, a little bit of attitude there because you say they're not in a fair situation and I played a role in that. And I will tell you, don't fall victim to the lie. You cannot control how you got here, but it is not your fault, the things that they are going through. Number one, like just by human nature, we have to be taught and trained to be good. That's not innate. Innately, I don't have to tell a little kid to take something that's not theirs. I don't have to tell a little kid to, like, you have to teach them to tell the truth. You have to teach them to be people of integrity. But you don't have to teach them to do the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. So it's not your fault if they start growing up and doing the wrong thing. Often that's what they see, even on their little children's television shows. And then mm -hmm. that's what they see their classmates doing. And that's what they see glorified around them. And so instead of you beating yourself up because you wound up here, just challenge them and hold them accountable. And do whatever you need to do. Don't feel bad for taking things away from them yeah. because you feel like it's your fault, Darren. This is, no, it's not your fault. It's okay. It's going to be okay. You're going to be okay. They're going to be okay. But in the meantime, you just hold them accountable. And I held my son accountable, and he was very upset. And I'm like, yeah, so how do you think your friend feels? Because how did you make him feel? Oh, it's not okay. And I made him feel it deeply. And I told him, listen, if you want to have a good life, this is not the way to do it. This is a recipe for you. And I, I mean, sometimes I get a little extra. I literally drive, like, <laughs> by downtown where the homeless people are. And I'm like, yeah, I know, right? That's but real. I, yeah. But I was just about to say it, yeah. it, it, it is to show, like, listen, you know, sometimes things happen outside your control. But mm -hmm. the choices you make determine the life that you live. And I'm there's no age that's too soon or too early to teach them this.
So I'm like, if you don't want your life to look a certain way, then you got to make better choices. And the one that always will come back to you in the best way is being kind, always showing love, always. And then we haven't had an issue since. So it's account. Hold them accountable. And yeah. it's OK to hold them accountable. Yeah. Yeah. Take what you need to take from them. Privileges outside, recess, video games, tablets, phone, whatever. Don't feel bad about that mm-hmm. uh, because you're going to teach them the lesson they need and they will be motivated. Now, everyone's going to be different, so you got to figure out what it is. <laughs> but you, you can get to the bottom of it. That's Yeah, that was a, that, I mean, even on, on top of that is like how you do one thing is how you do everything, <laughs> right? So if you're going to be, and that's something that I've been learning with my son too is like if I'm going to slack on my rules or my um, you know, standards or boundaries or whatever like that, he's going to feel that and then start, you know, implementing that same thing. He's going to be slacking on his boundaries or how he conducts himself in other situations and stuff like that. Even last night, he was at VBS and I saw him pu- push a kid at church. I was like, bro, for one, we're at church. <laughs> Two, it's like, you know what I'm saying? This is not how we do stuff. And then he explained it to me. And then he was like, but there was a kid trying to sit on another kid. And I was like, oh, so he's low-key taking up for somebody. I feel bad. But, you know what I'm saying? I started to, you know, recognize how, you know, he views things. And then, but every time that he's, um, you know, trying to do something and he's trying to be manipulative or he's, you know, distracting me to try to get his way or something like that, it's like, no, dude, we're sticking to the same thing. We stick to the plan. We move on. You know what I'm saying? And if we deviate from that because we want to do what you want to do, then he's going to start acting out and then it starts right here and then he gets an inch and he takes it to a mile. You know what I'm saying? And so that happens in now everyday things. If it's not with the bath, it's not with the, you know, brushing his teeth, it's not with this. And then later he goes down the road and he's now, you know, 15 and he's, you know, hurting other students or being mean to other students. But it all started like whenever we were here, if we didn't have any discipline or boundaries here, then he's going to start, you know, navigating other places because he doesn't have any structure, you know? So, um, implementing that structure or like, um, you know, yeah, like Marcus was saying, like, don't be afraid to be that parent because at the end of the day, they want you and they need you to show them the way. That's right. That's right. Well, guys, I so appreciate Marcus and Jordan, you being here and sharing these truths. It was so rich. I can't wait to listen back to this podcast and hear it myself. And I've been sitting here taking notes. And so I just want to close with this very quickly. Um, The overall thing I have heard y'all say is the word care. C-A-R-E, moms. C, communication. Talk to them. Find ways to enter into their world. Talk to them. Communicate. A. Affirm. Affirmation. Tell them they're worth it. Tell them they're a person of value. Tell them you believe in them. Tell them they could never do anything that would cause you to stop loving them. R. Recharge. Moms, it's time to recharge. Pull yourselves up. You are it in the home, and you can do it through Christ who gives you strength. And E. Enjoy. Be present with them. Live with them in the moment. They will be gone before you know it. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy them. And always remember Psalm 25, 4. It says, God, guide me in your truth. Teach me your ways, Lord, because you are my hope.